0: The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Hoop Ball DFS Today podcast. I am your host Mike Patria, joined by my good buddy Harris Komani. You know what that means. It's a Monday slate. It's November 1st. We've got nine games to talk about. Harris, how was your Halloween?
1: <laughs> a little spooky. At least the weather is pretty spooky out here, but otherwise can't complain. Did you dress up as anything? Didn't get a chance myself. I, d-
0: I dressed up as nothing. No, no, I didn't dress <laughs> up. We dressed our, our puppy up as a taco. Uh, we disappointingly only had two trick or treaters. So I told you, I think on the last show we were we were hoping to have more <laughs> trick or treaters. We had two, and they were like buzzer beater trick or treaters. Like it was like probably you know we're recording this right now at like 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It was maybe like an hour ago that they came. So they were like they were like buzzer beater trick or treaters. We were hoping for more than that, but we just basically told them you know grab a, as big of a handful as you guys can handle. We have a lot of candy to get rid of, but. It's better than nothing. That's two more than we've had in the past, like, three years. So we'll take it. We'll take it. But we got nine games to jump into. Before we start, quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor over at Manscaped. Guys, check out manscaped.com. Head over there. Whatever you make a purchase on, if it's your first purchase, you can fill up your shopping cart. Whatever you want to get, 20% off plus free shipping. So maybe you, your buddies, family members, you want to get gifts. The holidays are coming up. It's a great place to check. Bundle them all together. Use that promo code hoopball20. Get your friends, maybe it's your cousin, your brother, your uncle, your father. The perfect package kit. They will be internally grateful for you, and use that promo code hoopball20. All right, my good friend. We're gonna motor through this thing. We're gonna try at the very least. So, you know, we always say that, but we never know how these uh, these things can kind of go off the rails. But we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do our best here. We're gonna start it off. First game of the night, Cleveland Cavaliers traveling to Charlotte, taking on the Hornets. Hornets on the second end of a back-to-back. So there's no game total, but it does have a spread for us, weirdly enough. It's saying that the Hornets are going to be favored by four in this one. So we'll have to keep an eye on uh, actually what uh, what that spread is when it comes out. So there's also no injury report for the Hornets. Before the Cavs, Taco Fall, Isaac Okoro, both ruled out. I'll pass it over to you. Who are you looking at on the Cavs going against this Hornets team?
1: Yeah, and this kind of matchup, we already got a chance to see it earlier on in the regular season. I mean, we had them, I think their opening night on the uh, 22nd of October where you know we had Colin Sexton drop a big uh, big 43 that day, and it was you know a pretty uh, high-scoring match. So I kind of expect it to be a little similar on that end. That being said, the Cavs are starting to get kind of priced in that like little mid-range where I actually expect them to do something for that money so it's a bit tough for me to go I still like going to that Rubio well just because at 5,500 he's just clearly become the secondary ball handler it's almost as if Sexton on the other hand has been kind of pushed away uh to pretty much just playing off ball while Rubio on the other hand gets to go ahead and handle it so I mean he had a nice 36.5 the last time they played played 28 minutes then he hasn't played Less than 25 in four of his last uh, or two of his last four games and 32 and 20 in between that. So I really like his pick. And I still think I may go a little bit of Sexton just because I can't imagine that he uh, continues to have these kind of uh, low shot kind of nights. And his price point is at a point where even if he gets to his regular upside of scoring, that he should be able to hit it there. So those are the two main areas that I'm looking. I just think Mobley's gotten a little pricier than what I'd like to pay for him.
0: Yeah, he's a little priced up for me. I, I do apologize for the ESPN update. It's just giving me the notification to let me know that I, I'm smacking down Santino in football <laughs> right now. Uh, we're playing heads up in this week. So always good to shout out Santino on the show when, when he's getting beat down in fantasy football as we speak. Try to give me the old reverse jinx a uh, little earlier where he's like, oh, you definitely won like right after the four o'clock games. But he still had three people left. Uh, but, you know, you got to love the reverse jinx. But I'm right there with you. Mobley a little bit too priced up. Don't mind taking some stabs at Sexton. Had his minutes limited in that last game, mostly due to uh, Chetty Osmond just going buck wild. Uh, he was hot from the floor, and I think that's pretty much the reason why they kept him off. Uh, but I, I would expect him to get his normal workload, especially with Okoro out. I've, I've been feeling a little bit more comfortable with playing Sexton. The minutes have been up and down. But with Okoro out, I feel pretty good about that one. Ricky Rubio at a fair price tag. Don't mind it. Uh, I think I would rather just pay up the four for extra 400 for Sexton. Just think he has that higher ceiling than Rubio. We know that Rubio is not going to be playing really 30 plus minutes as long as both of these guys are healthy. And that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I'm done taking stabs at marketing at this point. (laughs) Just don't trust it. You know, now, especially with uh, with Chetty Osmond being healthy, I can see him playing a little bit more of the three as well. And I would expect him to probably cut into marketing's minutes a little bit more than Sexton's. But uh, we will have to see. And on the other side of the ball, we'll slide over to the Hornets. Terry Rozier came back and played in today's game and looked great. He he looked fantastic. 7K, a little priced out for me, though. I uh, don't know what his minutes will look like on a back-to-back, knowing he's coming back from that injury that's kept him out for a little while. I would expect him to be slightly limited. So I, I don't think I'll be going too much Rozier. And then everybody else feels like they're also a little priced out of my liking. Like Lamella Ball, 8,500. I would normally say he's always in play. Like you said, he crushed this matchup uh, in the beginning of the season. He had his best game against the Cavs. So. He can easily do that again. I'm not counting him out completely, but 8,500 feels a little expensive for a guy that's had his minutes kind of—I yeah, wouldn't say limited—but hasn't been seeing a total workload. And then Miles Bridges getting a tougher matchup in this one, going against a pretty big front court here, where normally he can take advantage of those smaller front courts with his speed and his size, bullying people a little bit. Gordon Hayward, 76, he's in play. That's comfortable, but he's probably one of the only ones I'm looking at, and I think we have better options. Everybody, I'm not playing Oubre right now that we have Terry Rozier back better options at center than Mason Plumlee. So I really don't like anybody over here.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that Uber thing is always a little bit weird because today Terry Rosier played, but Uber went ahead and dropped 27, I mean, 20, 26, seven and five. So it's just uh, an odd thing where at 5,700, there's probably pretty decent upside as long as he keeps getting the kind of shots that he's getting here. And eventually it'll drop, but yeah, everyone else just kind of seems relatively fair priced. Uh, Lamello at 8,500, just because he's now playing the kind of minutes I'd expect. Uh, that may be a spot that I may go a little bit to, but as you said, 33 minutes on this night, we kind of don't know what the back-to-back situation will look like. Even though Lamelo should be still playing his full allotment of minutes, it's just kind of been one of those things where you can see there are a little bit of uh, kid gloves with Lamelo. So, if I go with anyone, it may be Ubre just because I kind of like uh, you know that entire situation and his price point. But beyond that, probably not.
0: Yeah, and I don't fault you for that. I just I don't I'm not in the business of chasing that mm-hmm. game. Um, I just remember. Earlier in the season, I think he was playing like 24, 25 minutes in those. And it's it's a fine matchup. It is a fine price tag as well. So maybe, uh, maybe in GPPs, but we'll keep him in that player pool. But I don't, I don't trust him enough for cash. But on to the next game, San Antonio Spurs traveling to Indiana. They are taking on the Pacers. Malcolm Brogdon is questionable. Jeremy Lamb, doubtful. Karis LeVert is questionable. And TJ Warren has been ruled out. We saw Karis LeVert come back. Played uh played good ball in limited minutes. Uh, lightning in a bottle in the first quarter. Felt like he was scoring all the buckets for the Pacers. Of watching that game, he looked fantastic. But they're gonna be they're gonna be cautious with him. Uh, he's coming back from a broken back, so we can't expect them to take too too much on him. Malcolm Brogdon. I'd be shocked if he's back, but he's being listed as questionable, so we have to keep an eye on that. But you know that hamstring injury is not something you rush a guy back from especially when you get Levert back. So you got a little scoring punch in there. No game total, no spread as of right now. So we'll start off with the Spurs team. DeJounte Murray all the way up to 9,200. He's been playing fantastic. He's been closing these fourth quarters as their guy, but that's too priced out for me. So I'll take a pass on DeJounte Murray. Honestly, if I'm looking anywhere, I'll probably, I was going to say I'll probably keep it in the front court, but Jakob Pertl now up to a bigger price tag of 7,200, which is, it's getting in the territory where we're talking about guys that have 50-point upside on a regular basis. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably take a pass. I'm, again, I hate to sound like cliche. Everybody in this matchup is a little bit too more too priced up for my liking outside of make, be, maybe taking stabs at these guys in the 4,700, 4,300 range with Lonnie Walker. I think Vassal nothing more than a tournament flyer. And then Derek White, I mean, he's kind of just playing second fiddle at this point. He's still playing well, but at 6,400, we've only seen that him break that upside twice so far this season. And those were in higher pace games against Milwaukee and Denver. Uh, so I, I just don't trust him either. I mean, he's a GPP play, just not my cash games. Nobody in this game is comfortable for me in cash. And then I might be looking at Derek White. And I don't even like playing Lonnie Walker ever. But 4,700, if he's going to start and play those minutes, I guess we could consider him.
1: That's pretty much where I'm looking as well. Uh, maybe a little bit of Keldon Johnson just because his minutes are, are going up. But as you said, at most, they'd be GPP guys. No one here I really trust for cash whatsoever.
0: Yeah, kelvin has been playing terrible this season. I mean, yeah. the minutes have been there, but the poor free throw shooting, he doesn't really contribute much other than the scoring column and the occasional maybe like steal here and there. But he's he's not playing well with his minutes nonetheless. But on the
1: Pacers side of the ball, what are you looking at? Yeah, so the Pacers one is where you know, the Malcolm Brogdon news is probably what's uh, keeping me away from kind of jumping in. But there's a lot of good value here. Uh, we already saw with, uh, uh, with Karis Levert. Uh, getting his minutes as soon as he goes out, then you get Justin holiday coming in and he's probably going to be playing somewhere close to 30 plus minutes on this one. Obviously not a great points per minute producer, but at 4,200, you probably do worse as far as kind of having a good floor to be able to go from Uh, the upside really comes in from the, McConnell, Duarte uh, situations over here. McConnell, we've just found that you know, the coach plays in minutes, but he doesn't really get as much on ball as you'd expect. I mean, he's always got great upside as far as assists are concerned, but his shot attempts are never really there. But, I mean, at 4,800, you probably could do worse. There's always that opportunity to be able to go up. Duarte, though, you know he's going to keep shooting, and especially as soon as uh, Brogdon is out or and Lavert likely being out as well, given that he complained about his back in that Toronto game. He's going to be here again, shooting somewhere close to you know 15 to 18 shots, which gives him a great uh, floor to be able to get to his current price tag, which at 5,600 has a lot of solid upside. That's probably the main guy I'm looking at. And I mean, you know me, I love my Miles Turner. The guy has uh, always that huge block upside. I've just been keeping a close eye on his uh, his fouls. He's been doing pretty well as far as his actual foul trouble over the last couple of games, played 36 minutes in the Toronto one, only had three uh, one foul over there. Three fouls in the Brooklyn game there, played 32 minutes. And as long as he's playing those kind of minutes, you know he's going to go ahead and pay back his value. So in a matchup here where I expect uh, the San Antonio Spurs are going to be playing a lot more Jakob Purtle, He's not the kind of guy who is uh, killing you inside the post or really going hard at you. I do expect that you'll get a lot more help defense from Miles Turner. So I'm liking him at 5,900. He's probably going to be a guy I have a decent amount of exposure to.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with Miles Turner, and that's something I've noticed as well. I definitely have him in a player pull on some interest in him. Uh, you look at his past three games, he's only had four fouls in those past three games, and look at the matchups going against Precious twice and then going against uh, the Nets, which is kind of just a jumbled up lineup of centers where none of them are very aggressive on offense. So, it just seems like when he's going against a, a center that's actually not afraid to take about 12 to 15 shots, you might want to avoid him on those matchups. And the ones where they're there for pretty much just placeholders with big bodies, target them. Uh, it, it's just that simple for me. So I do have interest in Miles Turner. You hit uh, you hit the nail on the head with Duarte as well. No Karis Levert, no Malcolm Brogdon. Pretty much seems like he's going to be in a great matchup and a very uh, very high-owned option. I'll probably have it at 56. We haven't been seeing that real ceiling from him necessarily since pretty much since very early on in the season but he's very consistent he's giving me that 25 to 30 and we know the upside is there for the other the other stats and the other categories I'm not ready to hop off McConnell just yet maybe I'm a sucker for him just because how many how many matchups and tournaments this guy's won me in the past uh at 4800 i'll keep him in my player pool but i'm not gonna i was bullish on him last time and i paid the price so i'll, I'll probably uh temper my expectations with him but i'm gonna keep him in the lineup as well though in the player pool. On to the next 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. We have Portland Trail Blazers traveling to Philly, taking on the Sixers. Portland on the second end of a back-to-back. Ben Simmons out for the Sixers. Grant Riller out as well. No injury report for the Blazers. We won't have that one. Uh, We do have a spread, though. No game total, but we do have a spread.
1: Philly's favored by six in this one. So, pass it over to you. Portland, what are we looking at? And Portland's very much in the same kind of situation as we were talking about with the Spurs, where a lot of guys are just priced to a point where I don't necessarily feel feel comfortable with them, other than uh, a couple of these guys sitting in the 4,000 range. We saw Norman Powell return back from injury, looked pretty good, got his uh, regular shot attempts there, and when he kind of gets his minutes back, which I expect he'll be closer to 30 on this one, considering how well he looked coming out in the first game, at uh, his current price tag of 4,800, I feel pretty comfortable with him as having a pretty solid base, pretty solid floor to be able to move up from. And the other guy, and this is more just because Philly has always been a matchup where he's done pretty well, you know, revenge game or whatever. But it's Robert Covington. It's just one of those things where one at 4,400, and I just always like that price tag for his upside because if you can get a couple of those you know, blocks and steals together, which he always does. He just needs to hit a couple of threes to be able to easily break that. And even though I, I'll keep harping on this, I hate the way Portland actually uses him. Don't get an opportunity to be able to put up nearly the kind of shots that he should, considering how open he is. He still got, uh, again, pretty decent floor for what, he, what he'll what he get just for being on the on the floor for this kind of time. And in a Philly matchup, you'll find that he often does... Uh, get a little bit more as he switches on to Tobias Harris they even like using him a little bit on Embiid further out just to kind of throw him off so I see him getting a couple more steals than he usually does so those two guys are pretty much my main Portland targets the rest are just too expensive for me
0: yep I'm right there with you I think Covington is perfectly fine to look at Uh, probably more of again a GPP guy because the he's a slow starter Covington's a notorious low starter where he doesn't really pick things up until about a month, uh, you know, month and a half to two months into the season. Then we start to really see him kind of get into a groove and start knocking down shots, having those higher rebound games, plays a little bit more aggressive as the season goes on. But you're right. He does play well in this matchup at 4,400. You don't need much. If he gets you 25, you'll take it at 4,400. And the defensive stats are always going to be there. Norman Powell on the second end of a back-to-back worries me a little bit, but I feel comfortable with that price tag at 4,800. And then I'm not touching Dame, I'm not touching Nurkic, but I'll keep McCollum in there just because I like this matchup for CJ. Could definitely see him taking advantage of going against a little bit of Steph or Seth Curry, excuse me. And he's been playing fantastic. You know, no nothing else you could really say about it. He's just been playing great to start the season, and he was fantastic last year up until that injury. So I don't mind looking at him. AK feels like a little pricey. We'll probably have a little bit uh, better options to choose from but keeping him in the player pool for now. On the other side of the ball, Joel Embiid coming in at a high price tag of 10-3. You know he's normally worth it, but I'm kind of in the fade Joel Embiid as long as he's over 10K category right now with that knee injury that he's been dealing with. He's going to have good games, but we've been seeing him struggle with paying off the price tag for the majority of the season so far. So on the good days, I'll eat it off the chin, no doubt about it. I'll take it. Not a big deal. Um, but the, I'm I'm not, I'm just not comfortable with playing him as of right now. And with the other guys on this slate, nine game slate, we have plenty of guys to choose from to spend up on. I just don't think I'm going to be going there. Same thing with Tobias Harris now over 9k. No, thank you. Only option I'm really looking at might be an Andre Drummond. Actually, if you're talking about GPPs and you just want to play a guy who's going to play 15 to 20 minutes. And if Embiid is struggling, if he gets into foul trouble, if he's, the knee's just bothering him, if it's a blowout. There's a lot of avenues for Andre Drummond to get a few more extra minutes. So I always kind of keep him in my pools for GPPs for that reason. But that's it. That's all I'm really looking at. I think everybody else is kind of a dart throw. I'm not playing Tyrese Maxey at uh, 56. Again, she's been playing okay. We've seen him kind of uh, start, start to slowly go a little bit towards Shake Milton as of late at 3,600. So, you know shake is another option you could take a look at i don't know if the ceiling's going to be completely
1: there but decent price tag for a dumpster dive option Yeah, i think you've got uh, pretty much exactly who i'm going at uh, really as you said fading joel and i'm 100 on there with you uh the shake milton slash matisse teibel is probably where i may find myself getting a little bit more exposure just because i like their bottom barrel price tags and the kind of matchup where it's going to be I do like the fact that uh, Shake Milton is is getting the kind of shots that he is getting per minutes. I mean, 11 shots in 19 minutes in the last one, 10 shots in 16 the first time. It's clear that he's there to just come out and absolutely go gung-ho. And as long as his minutes keep increasing to that you know low 20 uh, minutes thing, he should be pretty okay as far as 3600 is concerned. And Matisse Taibel is very much in that same boat as the Robert Covington. He came back and came through big in the last game, even though just in 23 minutes he was able to drop nearly 32 DK points. You know you're going to get that if he has a multiple steel block night. So from a dumpster dive, a dart throw situation, considering there are a number of guys that I'm looking to pay up on, I may actually see myself with a little bit of Tybal in there.
0: Yeah, and I think we have to pay up on guys. I don't know what's going on with the DK algorithm, but (laughs) everybody in this slate just feels like they're priced up, and you know, we're going to just... Shift right over to the next game. Chicago Bulls traveling to Boston. 7.30 Eastern Standard Time game. Uh, As far as the injury report goes, we do have it. Uh, Bruno Fernando is ruled out. Sam Hauser, Broderick Thomas ruled out. So none of these guys for the Celtics really matter. Most of them are in the G League. Uh, And then for the Bulls, Devin Dotson out. Kobe White, Patrick Williams, as we know, both of them out. Zach Levine is available. He'll probably be on the injury report for the rest of the season just because of that thumb. But. Really, these guys are just no, 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 Like right, right now, no game total, two and a half point spread, favorite of the Celtics. Celtics or these, these Bulls are just too expensive for me. 9,400 for, uh, for Vucevic, and he hasn't had a good game in the past three games. I don't know why he's getting such a big price increase. I know Boston's normally a great matchup for centers that they could take advantage of. Um, that was a little bit more in seasons past now that they bolstered their front court a little bit, not as much, but I still don't mind targeting centers. But at 9,400, it's, it's just too expensive. Zach Levine at 9K. I know Zach Levine's a stud. Don't get me wrong. I'll be the first one to tell you that this dude is underrated. But ever since that thumb injury happened, he has yet to break 40. And then DeRozan. He's picked up the slack for him. And he had a great game. But I'm not paying 8,600 for DeMar DeRozan. Not with with him sharing usage with Vucevic and and Levine. It's just not happening. So I, I really can't target any of these guys. I would love to in this matchup. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think I'm playing any of these guys. I'll keep Lonzo Ball in there just simply because I know he could be a potential triple-double on any given night. But I don't
1: even see myself paying 77 for him. Yeah, this was a very easy one where I could just literally scratch it off. I did not even look at Chicago once I saw these price tags. And as you said, it makes no sense as to why they're going up to that. None of them have really hit the kind of value to really justify the kind of increase they've gotten. So, yeah, I'm not looking at anyone in Chicago. And even on the Boston side, it was really just the cheap dudes that I was looking through to be able to get it by, because even though Tatum's getting back into a little bit of form, finally getting his shots to drop at 9900, I felt there was a couple of better options out there, but really that kind of trifecta of uh, Robert Williams, Al Horford, both of those guys who have had great games coming in the last couple, especially Al Horford, who's been as solid as they come, hasn't had a game below 38 as long as he's getting the kind of minutes that he normally is now. And on a matchup that I actually expect to be pretty close going all the way and against a matchup like Bucevic, you'll see that Horford will likely get a lot of minutes as well as Robert Williams. They may even end up playing them together. So just in those uh, for their kind of six early 6,000 to mid 6,000 price tags, I'm liking those ones. And then the final one, and that may be a little bit of a dart throw, is Josh Richardson just because he got his minutes there. I always like Josh Richardson on any team where he's able to be that Swiss Army knife guy because even if he's not getting... You know, His shot attempts, which he actually got in the last game, he always has that opportunity to be able to rack up, you know, block steals on the side. He'll get you a little uh, sprinkling of boards as well. So at 4,100, as long as he's getting the kind of minutes that he got in the last game, that'll probably be a big spot that I go for. Otherwise, yeah, not touching any of the main guys tonight.
0: I'm right there with you. I think Al Horford, I'll probably have a little bit more shares of him than Robert Williams simply because he has power forward eligibility. And there's some pretty chalky guy that we'll get to in the next game who's been smashing through his ceiling uh, due to replacement uh, for an injured player. So, you know, foreshadowing right there. <laughs> we'll, to the next one Washington Wizards traveling to Atlanta, taking on the Hawks. We just saw this matchup. On Yaka out for the Hawks. Thomas Bryant, Anthony Gill, Rui Hachimura, Cassius Winston all rolled out. Daniel Gafford considered questionable as of now. 224 game total. Atlanta favored by five and a half with the Washington team. Yeah, Montrose Harrell, 6,700. I'll keep playing him if Gafford's out. There's no doubt about it. He's playing 30-plus minutes. I want some shares. Uh, Ever since Gafford's been missing games, it's just been 45-plus for him pretty much, 45, 56, 42. The dude's been a stud over the past three games. Sign me up with no Daniel Gafford, and if he's playing 30-plus, I want all the shares of Montrose Harrell. It's going to be chalk. I get it. That's where Robert Williams kind of comes in as a pivot off of him. I get it. If you're playing GPPs, it makes a little sense to fade the chalk. Don't get me wrong. But it's a fantastic matchup. We already saw him crush this matchup earlier. I'm good with it. Outside of him, 10K for Beal. He's been playing great. Finally, he, he looks like he's shaking off the rust from that injury. Back-to-back 50-point games. I have no issues going to Beal. Like we said, we've already talked about so many expensive guys, and he's you got to you got to spend your money somewhere. And if you want to run it back, if you want to play some Beal here, I have no issues there. I do like Beal in this matchup. Don't know where I'm falling as far as my ownership with him, but I do have some interest in Beal, Harrell, Kuzma. You can see playing. You know, he, this is the one game where he didn't like. You know, get double-digit rebounds. It feels like it's against uh, Atlanta and against Boston that he didn't. But he's been consistent uh, over the past few games. I don't see myself paying 73 and feeling comfortable with it. I'd rather get Harrell, take the rebounding upside with him, maybe some Beal, not playing Dinwiddie at 73, and that
1: is it for me. Yeah, that price tag going into the 7Ks moves me away from Kuzma. I would have loved him at that 6,300 price tag that he had before. I think that's a good point to be able to get some upside, but not here. Harold, for sure, it's all about the Gafford situation. If he's questionable, if he's out, you jump on Harold and just kind of deal with whatever uh, chalk situation happens because I expect him to be about 50 to 60% owned if that uh, does happen to be the case. Uh, Beal, on the other hand, that is one spot where you know we're talking about all these guys that are highly priced up. Beal is probably the one expensive guy that I've got as one of my tops as far as the uh, expensive player pool is concerned. We already saw him have the matchup with Atlanta earlier you know, last week where he dropped 51 in that one. Uh, and even though he just went 11 from 26 from the field, I just like the fact that uh, he's been getting a lot more rebounds in the last couple of games. He just looks a lot more active going on the inside. You know you'll get those assists with him just because he's going to get so much attention. At 10K, I mean, it's probably a fair-ish price tag for him, but the upside's there. This is, from what we know so far, the highest total game of the night. And uh, you know, I expect it to be relatively close because neither of these teams play all that much defense, and they're going to be gunning from outside. So be at 10K, sign me up.
0: Yeah, it is worth noting, though, that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie sat out that last game versus Atlanta. <laughs> that was his rest day. So Man. I don't know how much, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to take a little usage. Beal's still going to get a shot attempts regardless. But um, it's just worth throwing in there that Spencer Dinwiddie didn't play in this matchup last time. But onto the Hawks side. Trey Young coming at 93. I actually slightly prefer him over Beal for the $700 discount. He was just murdering. Absolutely. I was watching this game. Uh, absolutely murdering Washington with a pick and roll. Uh, they stood no chance against it, and his shot was just off that night. And if he had his shot going for him, uh, it, it would have been murder she wrote for as far as a 60-point game. He shot 35% that night, made one of his five three-pointers, but 13 assists, 15 points in that last one, had two steals and one block. The blocks, yeah, they're not going to happen often for Trey Young, but I expect much of a similar game plan for them. Uh, they're probably just going to try to keep doing that pick-and-roll, taking advantage of undersized Harold in the paint and... They have the front court to do it. John Collins is a leaper. Clint Capella could do that for him as well. So Trey Young at ninety-three, tons of interest in him. And I'll go back to the well in John Collins's matchup. I took one game off and it worked out well for me. I like to kind of pick my matchups for John Collins. This is one I want to target him. Those two, probably it for me. I, I mean, you can go with those, you know, DeAndre Hunters and Cam Reddish if we're trying to be pivot players. But I think we have some pretty good value um, and pretty good options based on the matchup with Trey Young and John Collins.
1: Yep, no, that's pretty much it. John Collins is going to be my main guy. I may have a little bit of Bogdan just because at the fifty-two hundred, I feel like there's a little bit of upside for him to be able to get to that 30 ceiling, which he did in the last Washington matchup. But again, that's probably a little bit more potentially a cash play, just because it should be you know, his floor has been pretty solid, but that upside's still yet to come at fifty-two hundred with his uh point guard slash shooting guard eligibility at the shooting guard spot. I may see him come onto a couple of my lineups.
0: Can't argue that. We've seen Bogdan is uh Upside plenty of times. And listen, if Trey Young's having a bad game, Bogdan will probably have a good one. They're gonna need the scoring from somewhere. It's usually not gonna be from Capella in his limited minutes. It'll probably come from Collins and Bogdan if it does. On to the next one. Your Toronto Raptors traveling to New York. So they're not going to this one. To the Knicks. <laughs> Nurles Noel. Questionable. For the Raptors. Pascal Siakam. be still out. We're still waiting for their return. Both practicing in full. But taking their time with it, probably a little bit of game conditioning going on with them. We've we've seen a lot of teams be a little bit more cautious when it comes to just rushing guys back and playing a big bit. It's two twelve game total. Knicks favored by seven. I'd be uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't let you take your Raptors here, man. Start us off.
1: <laughs> First of all, that seven is going to be much closer than that. It's just the kind of matchup that's always worked out well for Toronto. So I wouldn't just from an experience standpoint, not look too much into that spread. And I do expect we're going to go back to the situation where, you know, the Raptors love playing through uh, both OG and Scotty Barnes. And we've seen that now at this point, both of them are getting to that price point where it's very relatively fairly priced, but at 6,800 for Scotty, I mean, we've seen the crazy amount of upside he did have. Uh, he's consistently getting close to double-digit rebounds on the games that he is, and he's starting to handle the ball a lot more with that second unit as well. So, you know, in a, in a matchup where it's likely going to be more of a grinded-out affair, there's probably going to be a lot of rebounds on offer. I expect a double-digit rebounding night again from Scotty, which gives him the opportunity to be able to put up, you know, yet again close to that 40, which he's been doing for the last uh, couple of games now. So, I mean, early on, we've seen uh, of all the rookies, scotty has been the most... Uh, say the most impressive of that uh the other one where i have a little bit of interest just from a a pricing standpoint gary trent at 4800 now that he's moved full on into the starting lineup apart from the fact that you know shots finally starting to get going relatively consistently had an off game against indiana but prior to that had had three straight great games in which you know 32 30 28 uh, dk points so a great spot for 4800 his floor is pretty secure just from the kind of minutes he's going to get and more so than that he's I believe what's second in the league right now in steals per game, just behind Caruso. He was at 3.5. He's got two, two, five in the last three games. It just continues to be a point where he is just hunting in the, uh, in the gaps to be able to get those. And he's been getting them pretty consistently. So those are my two main guys. Obviously Van Vliet at 8,700 at any given night can go ahead and do that. But I mean, he had the two games against Chicago and Indiana where he dropped 50, Then he went back into the 30s in the last two. So that's more of a GPP pivot rather than something in cash. But between uh, Scotty Barnes and uh, Gary Trent, those are probably my main areas of exposure as far as Toronto is concerned.
0: I completely agree with you. And the only other guy I would throw in there would be Ken Burch at 41. We saw a nice little minutes increase for him in that last one. Seems like Nick Nurse is going a little bit away from Precious. Uh, he hyped up Chris Boucher, saying he's been playing well, which is, I feel like that that's a lot for Nick Nurse to say. He hasn't <laughs> been much of a Chris Boucher type of guy. Uh, but he, it seems like he's kind of, you know, Precious wearing out his welcome at that starting center spot, and it's going to be a tough matchup for him. Not that, you know, Mitchell Robinson's much of an offensive threat, but he's going to pose some a little bit of th- uh, size and athleticism against him. Ken Birch, I could see, doing fairly well at 4,100. Don't mind taking stabs at him in tournaments. On to the next side of the ball, Julius Randle coming in at 9,700. Really big letdown in that last one. I thought he was going to crush it against the Pelicans. I had a ton of ownership on him. Not going to lie here. I got burned. Did not do well that night. Uh, it's a good bounce back spot for him. It was kind of just the R.J. Barrett show. And R.J. Barrett came out and had a career high. So when that's happening, yeah, you might see Julius Randle take nine shot attempts. But I would expect this to be a pretty good bounce back game for him. 9,700. Don't mind going to him whatsoever. OG has been absolutely fantastic from the perimeter. But Randall could take advantage of it on the inside if he needs to. So uh, I'll I'll take some stabs at Randall. Not going to that Barrett 7K price tag just because he has a career high doesn't mean I'm going to spend 7K on him. Outside of that, I think Kemba Walker is just starting to look like Kemba again. And it's just that simple. Past three games, he's put up at least 35 DK points at 5,800. Van Vliet doesn't scare me off with of his defense. Signed me up for some Kemba as well.
1: Yeah. On the other hand, I got pretty lucky with uh, RJ on the last game. It just kind of worked out for a couple of my lineups to have him be the last guy to fill in, and obviously he killed it. So helped me have a pretty decent night. But as you said, 7K, not the price tag I'm going for. Kemba is pretty much the only guy I've got circled on my player pool from the New York Knicks side. And it just, as you said, comes back down to Kemba going back to normal. He's getting his shot attempts. His three-pointer has been absolutely on fire over the last three games. Was it four, uh, nearly five three-pointers a game in that time. So as long as he is feeling good and Kemba just loves to kill the Raptors he's got like three game winners on him it's just not a matchup that's ever worked out nicely for Toronto against Kemba so I'm definitely all in on him
0: all right in these last three games I expect us to I know we haven't been loving everybody that we've mentioned so far but that's also sometimes a good thing where you can kind of pinpoint the games you want to target and the players you want to target so I'm expecting us to have a little bit more ownership in these later games so before we get to those though we got to give a shout-out to our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA's back, people. It's been going on for several weeks now. And if you haven't downloaded DraftKings Sportsbook, I don't know what you're doing. If it's Well, maybe it's not legal in your state yet. But it's legal in almost every state now. It's getting there. More and more states are now taking on sports betting. And DraftKings Sportsbook is the key to victory. And a strong starting five is what you need to do. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not take advantage of it? Bet that five bucks on a team that you think is going to win. Win two hundred dollars in free bets using the promo code NBA today. So get some uh, get some ownership, get some advantage. Take advantage of it. Jump in there, NBA today. Use that promo code. You can all, code, excuse me, promo code. You can also uh, take advantage of their same game parlays. Combine multiple sports bets from the same game. Get a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit your money and withdraw it whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Promo code NBA today. Next game, Denver Nuggets traveling to Memphis, taking on the Grizzlies. Jamal Murray ruled out only injury to be concerned with with the Nuggets. For the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks. That simple. Finally, we got, you know, a game that I think we both have some pretty decent ownership in. 217 game total, Memphis being favored by two. Pass it over to you. Talk about these
1: nuggets. Yeah, I mean, apart from the fact this is probably going to be the game I keep switching between the Raptors and them to keep watching. Every Denver-Memphis game is always crazy. Plus 1.5 on the spread over here, so you know it's going to go tight. Uh, Jokic. Jokic has just been on an absolute monstrous tear over the last look, over the last couple of games, had two games where he was slightly off, just from you know either an injury standpoint or just because the game got so out of hand. But he got his normal 37 minutes in a close game against Minnesota, and you saw exactly what he can do. Apart from the fact that they almost threw the game away at the end, it was hilarious. I don't know if you guys watched it. The last like 10 seconds of that game is worth watching, just because Denver had a turnover on one hand, and then they blocked two shots from Cat, and uh, I forgot who the other one was on the Minnesota end, but it was just bad. Regardless, 67.75 that he went ahead and dropped. Uh, Jokic is always you know, it was just the monster points per minute guy. And a close matchup in a situation where you know Memphis has had a bit of history with them. It's the kind of matchup you like going on. Uh, the other side, Monte Morris finally had a, a good game on the other one there. Finally seeing that, you know, to take a little bit of pressure off Nikola Jokic, they may need to have someone else handle the ball a little bit more. They tried to go uh, with Will Barton earlier on in the season, but you can see that they're now seeing him more into an off-ball situation, putting more of the ball into Monte Morris's hand when Jokic is out. So at 4,400, he's a guy that I do have. You know, a good bit of uh, hope and exposure going into it. But Jokic is going to be my priced up guy. I still don't trust Michael Porter Jr. I don't know what the heck he's doing. Just standing in the corner, chucking up bricks, 3 or 14 in the last game. Just can't find his shot whatsoever. Has only had one game this season where he shot over 50% and has pretty much been languishing in that 30% range. So until he can get his shot going, even though his price tag otherwise would be pretty uh, pretty attractive to me. He's just, he's just not doing it. He's got that new contract fever is,
0: yeah. is what we're seeing, you know, and that happens to a lot of guys. Once they get paid, they just suck. Uh, I expect them to snap out of it. I'm a Big Michael Porter Jr. Fan. The the dude's an unbelievable talent. It's, you know, it really came down to when it, Aaron Gordon kind of just like came over, it, it gets a little bit more jumbled up. I think him playing the four is a little bit better for this team and we'll see them kind of have him play the three a little bit too, too much, but I'm with you. Jokic's probably one of my top guys I'm going to spend up on. There's two other guys we will get to that. I think are equally, equally as good. 11K is an expensive price tag, but we know Jokic is probably one of the uh, one of the few on this slate that could put up 70. You know, I'm not saying he will, but he's one of the few that could just how versatile it is. He could triple double. We're not going to see cat triple double that often. We could see George do it. Don't get me wrong. But Jokic has that triple double upside on a nightly basis. And then I'll mind going to Will Barton. I'll probably temper my expectations on Monte Morris. Um, We heard Mike Malone actually come out and say that he wants to get Bones Highland more involved, which is, duh, about time. Uh, Dude's a stud. He was lighting it up, and he's been getting more minutes, feels like, night in and night out now. So I'm not saying he's going to go in there and steal Monte's job necessarily, but they have another option that they're perfectly comfortable going to if Monte Morris isn't on fire. So uh, 4400 comfortable price tag, but... Probably not a guy I'm overly excited about. I, I don't I bank on that 30 coming out night in and night out like he did in that last one. On to the grizzly side of the ball, though. John Morant, 9,500. I'll keep eating it off the chin. I'll just keep doing it. Uh, I, I dodged the bullet in the last one. Struggled against Miami. It was a tough matchup. I can easily see a good bounce back game from us. But is it going to be 50? Is it going to be 45 or 43? Because if it's 45-43... That's not enough at 9,500. I'm good with just keep continuing to fade him. I'll keep doing it. I'll keep going back to the well of the same guys I've been playing. And that's going to be Desmond Bain, and that's going to be DeAnthony Melton. Both these guys I'm very comfortable with. I played a ton of DeAnthony Melton that last game. Panned out well for me. Put up 40 DK points. So only in 27 minutes as well. Game got out of hand. I'll continue to ride the high hands with those two guys. They both feel like they have that comfortable floor. And we know the ceiling. I think Melton's ceiling is a little bit higher than Baines just because we know he can contribute in the defensive departments. And if Steven Adams can ever get back to that 30-minute threshold at 4,900, that's just way too cheap. But the past three games, the minutes have been down. It hasn't been foul trouble. It's more more or less has been matchup dependent. In that Miami game, we saw Dwayne Dedman get into foul trouble early. They went to Markeith Morris, who was just not afraid to take the three-point shot. He was just kind of drifting out behind the line. So they immediately pulled Steven Adams, started going with a little bit of a smaller lineup, Don't think they'll be able to do the same thing in this one, but we also know Jokic could shoot that three fairly well. So I'm going to temper my expectations and keep him in only my GPPs. He's not going to be a cash game guy I'm looking at, but what are you looking at?
1: Yeah. I mean, you've already hit the nail with Melton and Bain. They're always in play. The other spot is, I mean, Jaron Jackson is finally at a price tag where I'm like, you know, even though he's kind of been having an off and on season, similar to Michael Porter jr. As far as that's concerned, but frankly, just from watching, I'm watching a lot of Memphis games. I mean, Jaron isn't looking bad. I like think he's looking engaged as far as the uh, defensive end is concerned. He's getting good shots They just haven't been dropping for him. I mean, Oh, of 8 in the last game from three, 3 of 10 in the game before that. Like if he's getting those kind of three-pointing uh, three-point opportunities, it's just gonna happen to come off. And and a game against Denver, one where he's done you know decently in the past, about uh, you know 35% from three against them. So it's not so bad as long as he's getting those kind of opportunities. At 5400, that's that's a, that's a Point where, at least in GPP, I'm going to have a pretty decent amount of exposure to him. His foul troubles, which have usually been a concern for him, and it just kind of always is. Uh, In these kind of games where uh, he gets to be a little bit more of a help defender, while you'll probably see a little bit more of Steven Adams kind of be man-to-man on Jokic, I could see uh, him getting a decent uh, assortment of blocks on the inside here. So, Jaron at 54, is uh, one of the plays I like.
0: I love me some Jaron Jackson. Uh, I just the up and down is i think you hit it right there it's gpps you can't trust them in cash just yet but again i'm a big michael porter fan i'm a big jaron jackson fan i love both of these guys i love that whole draft class let's just be real uh but both those guys have a place in my heart on to the next game timberwolves traveling or i'm sorry orlando traveling to minnesota to take out the timberwolves my fault there michael carter williams markel Foltz, jonathan isaac etwan moore all ruled out gary, uh, gary harris is questionable Timberwolves are good to go. They've been dodging that injury bug. A few guys I can look at over here on the Orlando side of the ball, but they got price tag increases. Cole Anthony's been playing absolutely fantastic this season. Uh, he really just can't be slowed down. It feels like it's just going to be 30 night in and night out with a little bit of upside in there as well. Rebounding the hell out of the ball. Averaging seven and a half rebounds per game. Doesn't seem like he's slowing down, Ben. So it's 7,200. I'm going to keep my player pool. Not one of my favorite options at that price tag with that increase, but still warrants it. I think that he has a safe floor. Mo Bamba coming in at 7100. I always love targeting centers going against Karl Anthony Towns. Now Mo Bamba had no rebounds in that last one. Three uh, shot the ball well, but just wasn't getting to where we need him to be. Now we know he has the upside at 7100. I'm going to proceed with caution. I think we have uh, better options. Talk about Montrez Hero than the slate. Talk about Robert Williams, Al Horford. We have plenty of guys we could go to that I'd rather play over them, but I'll keep them in my player pool for that sole reason. Only guy I'm really looking at, I think, with confidence, might be Wendell Carter Jr., who's been just playing well. Uh, had his minutes limited in the last one, but this seems like a matchup where he could take advantage of it at 5,700. A good GPP play.
1: Yeah, and pretty much uh, if you're not uh, going in on the Cole Anthony one, I may also see myself taking a little bit of, uh, of Franz Wagner just because, again, this is more of a, a cash play rather than GPP, but he's just been absolutely solid all the way through. And what's uh, really starting to come through is that uh, you're going to start to see more of his uh, steals and blocks upside, which, you know, he's getting consistently won a game on, on both sides over there, but you know, he's contesting enough to be able to do that. And if you can keep dropping those double digit points, you'll start to see that that 5,000 price tag will probably pay off. There's upside to be able to get somewhere close to 30 on that. But beyond that, uh, I do like myself a little bit of uh, of Wendell Carter, as you said, and Mo Bamba is just one of those ones where he has the upside to be able to drop 50 as he did against uh, Toronto in that matchup. He was an absolute beast in that one. And then he can also just flatter to deceive. But even then, the floor is relatively safe. At 7100, a bit pricey, but uh, yeah, if I'm not going with uh, like a Harold Williams Horford combo, I may pivot off just to have a little bit of a Contrarian Mobamba in there. All right, Minnesota side of things. Cat coming in at 105. Cat's always in play, but I prefer
0: Jokic over him. $500 more. It's not that much. I thought Cat would be closer to like a a 99 to 101, but when I look at that at 105, I'll find the 500 get the Jokic, like his upside a little bit more. Uh, outside of him, though. Only two guys I really have interest in. Anthony Edwards is always in play for me. I get it. He got the price bump at 8,200. He had a down game in that last one. Only shot 31% in that last one. First game that he had where he put up less than 40 DK points. So I like this matchup for him. I'll keep him in my player pool. And then I think this could be another Vanderbilt game. Minutes were limited in that last one. Only played 16 minutes. But knowing that they go with that double big front court, I could easily see Vanderbilt creeping up to that 30-minute mark again. I want to see that he's actually starting before I have that complete confidence in him. But as
1: of right now, 3,700. He could be one of the value plays that we look at in the slate. Yeah, Vanderbilt was 100% uh, probably my key cheap play today of all the ones. So you know, spoiler alert for player tiers there at 3,700. Absolutely, uh, he'll probably will be continuing to get uh, that option to start. They just seem to like him being out there and have that capability to kind of not only get the boards but really contest guards out there, just being how lanky and quick he is laterally. Otherwise, uh, Patrick Beverly has been interesting at 4,000. It's just been absolutely consistent up until now. Hasn't had a game below 21 as far as DK points are concerned. So he's had rock solid floor. He's kind of playing a little bit of a, almost a little bit of the Ricky Rubio role as far as uh, Minnesota is concerned, where, you know, he's getting... Not necessarily for the shot attempts there, but they're actually having him handle the ball a pretty decent amount. Has had you know, three games with more five or more assists, uh, getting that solid low 20 minutes, low to mid-20. So at 4,000, not, not the worst play. Same with uh, Malik Beasley if he can keep getting the kind of shot attempts that he got in the last one. Obviously, you don't want to be chasing too much on that, but... What I liked is that apart from the 27 minutes, they were just looking for him on offense uh, on that game. So he could easily have a big scoring night. His problem is he just doesn't get you too many supporting stats. So probably decent enough for his 4,300, but not super upside after that. I'm with that. Last and final game of the night,
0: OKC Thunder traveling to LA, taking on the Clippers, Serge Ibaka, Keon Johnson, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Jason Preston all rolled out. And OKC should be good to go. Everybody's just in the G League. Uh, We don't really need to bother with them. As far as a game total goes, we have 215.5. Clippers favored by 10.5. And excuse me, I didn't give the game total for the last game. Uh, For the Orlando-Minnesota game, 216.5. Minnesota Minnesota favored by 9.5. So there's a large game total here. uh, Large spread here, I mean. But I'm not buying this spread, man. I don't know about you. I don't think this is going to be a 10.5 point spread. Um, that's just me I, I might i might lean just kind of take in okc with that 10 and a half points as of right now i'm not a betting man i'm a dfs guy skill based, that's why i could play it in texas but okc shea revenge going against la back in la 7800 i'm good with that i like that price tag i think it's very comfortable we've seen him have string together three great games in a row where he hit at least 40 dk points with an upside of 52 in there i think we're going to probably see 40 plus from shea here uh, especially if this game stays close. I mean, it's just that simple. If the game stays close, he's playing 30-plus minutes, he's going to hit that value. If it gets out of hand, he's not. He's going to probably play less than 30, and that's been the recipe. So I think it does stay a little bit closer than that spread indi- uh, indicates. So 7,800, I'm good with it. Sign me up. Outside of him, the only other person I'd be looking at. I don't mind Giddy. I think it's going to be a little bit of a tougher matchup, especially if he sees Paul George a little bit. So I- I'm probably going to – I'm not going to rule him out, but I'm just not as giddy with Giddy. But <laughs> – uh, Baisley, uh, 4,600. I have a lot of interest in Baisley. Another guy, if this game stays close, I can easily see him hitting that 35 mark right here. At 4,600, I think he'll be a rock-solid value play, especially if you want to get some late-game exposure and not pay up with it to, uh, with Shea.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm probably a little bit more giddy on giddy just because I decided to jump on him in every season-long fantasy thing that I could get on. And I just like how much he gets involved in going after the rebounds as well. Hasn't had two great rebounding games, but before that we'd seen where he had a double-digit one, an eight, and a nine. He just finds himself getting a lot more involved. And the best thing is that even in a game where you know Golden State uh, blew him out by uh, you know, 20-something points there, he still got 28 minutes in that game as well. So it gives him a pretty solid floor, 5,200. It was probably a, a decent price tag for, I guess, of a second option sort of rookie. Uh, the other place where I may be a little bit interested, just because uh, the Clippers, uh, if they decide to go with the, that Zubats lineup and get in there, we may see a couple more minutes coming through for uh, either Derek Favors or uh, Robinson Earl, both of them sitting at that kind of bottom barrel price tag. Favors is actually one where I may find myself pivoting a little more because I do expect – him to get a couple more minutes on this one after only getting uh, 10 in the last one had been getting in that 20-ish range over there and at absolutely bottom barrel prices. Uh, if he gets more time against Zubac, you could probably see him getting a little bit more involved in the offense and getting some boards as well. So decent amount of upside for a guy that's sitting right at 3,200. All righty. Final team,
0: Clippers. Paul George, 10-7. It's an expensive price tag for Paul George, but the usage has been through the roof for him, so we can't ignore that. Uh, took 24 shot attempts in that last game. I mean, it's pretty much been 20 shot attempts in almost every game this season outside of one. I do like Paul George. He's probably my second favorite stud over 10K to pay up on for the slate. I like him more than Towns for the $200 difference. Uh, so, yeah, I like Paul George. I just don't see who OKC is going to use to put a body on him. If they try Giddy, it might be, it might be trouble for him, bottom line. Uh, no other way to say it. Outside of him. I think Reggie Jackson's in a solid spot as well. If you can't afford George, you want to get exposure to his Clipper spot. He hasn't been shooting well at all this season. The ancillary stats haven't been there to what we all thought, but this just feels like it's a great matchup for him. Uh, we've seen point guards have a lot of success against OKC this season, so don't mind looking at him. And then the other guy caveat for a value play would be Nick Batum at 4,100, starting in place of Marcus Morris, uh, played 26 and 32 minutes over the last two games, hasn't been shooting well. Uh, had that one game with six or 14 but last game he was one to six otherwise that would have been probably like a 25 to 30 dk point type of night uh, but the rebounds were there the assists we know he can handle the ball we haven't been seeing a ton of them but Nick Batum's a very versatile player even at his age at 4100 I don't mind taking a stab at him and just feeling comfortable with that value
1: yeah, and the other beneficiary that's come from that Marcus Morris thing has been Luke Kennard who's got 33 minutes in each of the last two games over there and uh, we already know what kind of upside he has from a three-point shooting perspective. You know, can easily drop five, six threes in a game all- alongside the fact that he'll still get you that little sprinkling of boards, which is similar to kind of like a Sadiq Bay of sorts. Uh, we're seeing that he's getting a-, a lot more shots with that second unit as well as that 4,400. You know, I like this matchup for him. I think he's going to get, uh, again, somewhere close to that. He got 15 attempts in the last game. He may not get that many, but he should be in that low double digits. So gives him a solid base to be able to work off for that 4,400. And it kind of goes back to the same thing. If we consider this to be a closer game, uh, I may find myself with a little bit of uh, Eric Bledsoe to go along with that Reggie Jackson, just because you know, in those kind of games where it gets kind of gritty, especially on OKC, which is you know a pretty decent uh, kind of defensive team out there, you'll find Eric Bledsoe also gets a little bit more engaged into those kind of games. At 4,700, I think there's enough upside for him to be able to pay off that as well, despite the fact that he's coming off uh, two pretty mediocre games. Yeah, it feels
0: like DraftKings only priced him accordingly on the entire yeah. slate. Everybody else got a price bump for playing terrible. <laughs> uh So went down. But that's it. That is the entire slate. We'll through uh, we'll run through our player tiers real quick. So, give us your high price
1: tier guy. Yeah, and the high price tier guy is the Joker for sure for me uh, at 11,000 has been absolutely monstrous. We saw his points per minute production. I expect this to be a super tight game might be actually the most exciting game of the night. So I'll be watching it minute in and a minute out. And I expect Jokic to kill it minute in and minute out.
0: I can't argue with that. I do love some Joker. I just touched on Paul George as being my second guy over 10K, but I'll go with, uh, Somebody a little less than 10K. Maybe you want to, you know, we don't have tremendous great value, so we'll go Trey Young here, 9300. Really like that price tag. We saw him cook him. I'm really banking on that pick and roll. I'm expecting him to maybe knock down a few more baskets in this one as well. So I'll go Trey Young. Uh, how about
1: your mid tier? Yeah, mid tier guys, uh, similar to what I was talking about earlier, a guy who's just been one of the key Raptor killers ever since he went ahead and debuted. So Kemba Walker at 5800. Has gotten back to normal. We saw his shot total going up. Getting more involved with the offense. And his three points have been absolutely lights out. At 5,800, can't go wrong with that.
0: No, you cannot. That was actually going to be my guy. So now I have to sit here and scroll aimlessly. But I'll just go and take the cop out. The easy one. Uh, pretty simple one for me. I'll go matras Harrell. It's just 67. Uh, I think he's chalk. And if you want some chalk here, that's not Matroz Harrells. Could be Al Horford.
1: Both those guys, I think, are fantastic options. But and now, what are we looking at for value? Yeah, and the value guy is uh, the guy you touched on as well in that Minnesota game, Jared Vanderbilt at thirty-seven hundred. Just the kind of matchup that I think he'll find himself a lot more involved in. Orlando has enough length to ensure that he stays on the floor, and I expect him to be closer to that thirty minutes that he was in the Milwaukee game. So at his current price tag of thirty-seven hundred, he should absolutely smash that.
0: Yeah, I'm expecting big minutes from Vanderbilt. They're going to need a match up with that size. So if that's the case, Vanderbilt should probably be looking at 30. Uh, we could hope because that would make my life a lot easier when I'm constructing my lineups if I know he's getting 30 minutes, but we won't. Um, all right. Pretty simple. I'll go with the guy that we just mentioned, Nick Batum at 41. Uh, don't feel too great about it as far as the ceiling, but a very comfortable floor for a guy. Um, I was thinking Covington, but there's a little bit more risk in there. And a lot of people, when they listen to our value tiers, they think of the guys that they want to throw in there immediately. And Covington has a risk involved. I think when you look at Nick Batum, he, he's probably pretty comfortably going to get you around 20 DK points. But he has the upside for 30. And that's it. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Always, as always, for listening to us. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rate, review, wherever you listen to it. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you might be at. And then you can give us a follow on Twitter. At MikeApatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Harris,
1: let them know. As always, you can find me on Twitter at a H A K underscore Devil. And you'll be able to hit me up there with the spiciest of takes while I wait for spicy P to make his way back onto the court. Absolutely. Spicy takes.
0: Only hit him with spicy <laughs> takes. No no uh no medium no I don't know. Do you have you so you're <laughs> from have you ever had nat- Nashville uh, hot chicken? Yes,
1: I have. I love that stuff. You gotta be but... careful
0: when you go to those places, man. <laughs> Sometimes their mediums are just crazy and then uh, then you you go one, I, I'm, I'm above the BDM, you know, normally I'm like the one level above it. But sometimes, you know, you need to have at least four to five spices if you're going to be doing that kind of stuff. Because if you're one above the the mild, it's usually on fire if they don't have another one above it. But uh, that's it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. Go get the DFS Fantasy Pass. If you don't already have it, you're missing out. Discord, everything that comes with it, the articles behind the scenes. You can get instant access up uh, with us up to an hour before or I'm sorry, for an hour before lock. We're always in there answering questions, trying to help people out with their lineups, giving our thoughts, especially it's great to have when you're looking for that late-breaking news. We drop it in there as well, and that is it. So Santino will be on tomorrow. He'll be handling that. DJ Sammy Caps, take care, guys. Have a good one.